The following was a chat I had with my co-host Nick Rogers on whether criticizing pro players is a good or bad, right or wrong, or perhaps less black and white than that, how to go about levying criticism. While certainly we all have our own opinions on this, it's quite interesting that in American soccer specifically, there has been an absurdly low tolerance for criticism. Everything here has historically been soft, soft. If you weren't taking a positive angle on players, people would be outraged. If you weren't taking a glass half full approach, people would be outraged. And when I say people, I'm referring to the mainstream monolithic culture that controls the game here. I'm definitely not talking about the majority soccer first demographics. So for instance, those with a Mexican culture, Central and South American culture, European, Asian, African cultures. Let me repeat so it's clear. I'm saying those who still have those cultures coursing through their veins. These demographics are okay with harsh criticism, with serious criticism, with having goes at players, with having goes at clubs, with having goes at everything in the soccer ecosystem. These cultures are fine with it, but these cultures are sidelined from the game here. So we're left with one monolithic culture, which again, has an absurdly low tolerance for criticism. Anyone and everyone who does not conform to their self-righteous culture and code of conduct, they will attempt to marginalize. Everything has to be soft. Except, of course, when it comes to marginalizing other cultures. Then, oh yeah, they'll criticize. They'll smear the shit out of someone. So it's not that they're opposed to criticism in general. Harsh criticism, even. They're just selective about it. Selective based on culture and self-interest. We won't dive into the reasons why that's the case today. That's a much broader topic. But Nick does ask some questions that start the discussion. On a positive note, thanks in large part to many of us who have provided some strong words towards U.S. soccer, the U.S. men's national team, particular players. As a result of that, a vacuum was created whereby others now feel they can fill that middle ground between being ultra charm and soft and the other end of the spectrum where the toughest, hardest hitting opinions lie. So kind of like a safe space has been created for a particular group of people feeling a little bit braver than their typical Charmin ways. So things have improved a bit, but we have a long way to go. Part of the solution here is having independent media rise and legacy media, whose access is controlled by the status quo, again, Charmin soft, dwindle. And you, my dearest football friends, have a significant influence in that. I should state, this was recorded during a live stream, so it has a bit of a different flavor than previous episodes. Nonetheless, that's fine. Here we go. But before we jump in, I'll do a couple minutes of ads for coaches and parents of youth players looking to solve their soccer problems. These are problems we ourselves have encountered in developing players at every level, and of course ended up solving to great effect. If you're a coach wanting to implement a possession-based methodology where it's your team that's in control of the match instead of it being the usual back-and-forth random mess that you see here in American soccer, the solution is at 343coaching.com. And guys, this is coming directly from someone who has implemented the methods, refined them, and helped transform the landscape by showing playing this way is possible with American players 
in the American landscape. This is not the usual scripted course or presentation regurgitating material from some book, some PowerPoint presentation from a federation, or quoting some famous pro coaches overseas. To successfully implement a legit methodology, you need to witness it, not only visually, but audibly as well. That's what you get at 343coaching.com. You get immersed in the actual team training sessions, all professionally caught on video from Elevation and Coach Brian's audio captured as well. Again, these are the actual team training sessions with Brian's actual players as they prepare for match play on the weekends and long-term development of their abilities. With well over 1,000 members nationwide at various stages of the program, coach success stories keep coming in. We'd like to see yours as well. Now, if you're not a coach but a parent, it's no secret the American youth system is screwed up. So you need solutions as well. What team should you play for? What coach is or isn't a good fit for your kid? Should you do personal training? Should you not? What's important to look out for there? What should you be looking for in the near, medium, and long term? I mean, the questions and circumstances are endless. They can depend on age, level of play, position, club, geography, politics, and so on. But while the context might change, the best way to increase your chance of making good decisions is by developing your skills in the fundamentals. And I'm not necessarily just talking about skills of the player. I'm talking about your skills as a parent making decisions or helping make decisions or guiding your player. In one minute, you can join the email list at 343masterclass.com. When enrollment of the program opens, we'll send you a note. All right. I hope you enjoy this episode. We're just scratching the surface here, folks, but it's an important starting point for us to further expand down the line. What is happening, everybody? Sorry for the little late delay. We started a little late, but don't want to keep you waiting too much longer. Without further ado, I'm going to pop Gary in the room, and I'm putting him on the spot tonight. I got a hot, juicy topic for us, so let's get right after it. Gary, how we feeling? Feeling freaking tired, but it doesn't matter. We have to keep going. So, you've been getting a lot of flack in the comments on, on 343's Twitter recently for the way that you've criticized, and I'm going to do air quotes, the way that you've criticized some players who are supposedly at the peak, again, air quotes, peak of their career. So my question to you, is public criticism of players necessary? And if so, why? Yeah, it's a good question. Um, is it necessary? I mean, we can debate things either way. All, all I can say for sure is that this is what happens in every sport, all the time, every year across the world. At, and we're talking about the professional level here. So in that regard, I don't know if it's necessary, but that is what happens. And if you look at the top tier nations, and we're talking football here, top tier nations in the world, there's almost like a correlation. More criticism, the higher the level of the national team. I mean, let's not get it twisted. I'm not saying that is the cause for why those nations are good at all. I'm simply saying this is what goes on. And if you have a situation where half the Argentine public criticizes Messi and sometimes says things like, fuck this fool or whatever, and even got to the point where Messi for a while quit the national team. They right. came back, but he quit because of all the criticism. If 
that is what we're doing with the greatest of all time. And it happens with the non-greatest of all times across all countries in Europe and South America. I think we can manage here in American soccer to be critical of our players. I hope so. I hope so, because it seems like a lot of people are not fans of it for whatever reason. And it's not to say that this is the only sport that criticism exists. So that's where I don't understand why are we being soft, especially in the media and, and in the comments section, keyboard warriors are so upset about criticism of the top players, our top American players. But I, I think that criticism has a, a very valid place. My question to you, my second question is, is there a point ever where criticism becomes non-constructive? And like you're, like you're talking about with Messi, um, do you think that pressure might've got to him at some point? And it's something that was hard to deal with? That man, that's a question for him. And clearly I'm not at the level of being in the public limelight where you ha literally have millions of eyeballs on you every day, you know, for years. So I don't know what that feels like. Uh, and, and I don't know how to appropriately respond to, to something like that. I haven't lived it. Um, yeah. Wait, what was your question? I don't even know what your question was. <laughs> no, the question was, do you, is there a point ever where, where criticism becomes non-constructive? Oh and yeah. Maybe yeah, it, does, yeah. it does. For sure. For sure. Listen, I, it, my take, and it's an idealist take is if the criticism comes from a sincere place, then that's great. Even if it's looked at as negative or it's interpreted in a negative way, but if it's coming from a place of sincerity and not some other agenda driven reason or, or something nefarious or malignant with the intention to harm, then I think it's okay to, I think it's just fine. Yeah. And I, I remember you mentioned this in one of our previous episodes, you said all credit to, to these pros because they've gone further in life than most of us will ever get to. So when we're criticizing these players, it's, it's not we're criticizing the human being itself, but we have a job to criticize what we see as American soccer fans. And if it's not good, the final product on the field, something has to be said. And so my next question to you, what happens when there's a lack of criticism? Well, hold on, hold on to that thought real quick, Nick, and that question. I just want to augment a little bit more on the other thing. This happens in every profession. Okay. In criticism, it's not just professional sports. If I go to McDonald's and I order whatever it is, I'm a, I, I order and the hamburger comes all out, all sloppy without care. And maybe they're forgetting the cheese. And I said, I want it with cheese. I think I'm well within my right, you know what I'm saying? To criticize that. And yeah, you know, yeah. people might want to poke holes in that sort of logic or whatever. Again, this isn't physics. This isn't mathematics. So you can poke all you want. You know what my point is here, okay? And for for example, oh, but Gary, you're paying for that hamburger and it makes sense in that case to, to be upset or whatever. Listen, I'm paying with my attention, time of my life of watching games or reading the articles on a particular player or whatever. Like, hey, it's not monetary, but it's more valuable than monetary. It is my time. And I'm going to give my opinion of whether people like it or not. And just let, and just because maybe some people always want to be hyping the players or being uh, quote unquote positive. And by the way, there's an agenda behind always being positive. It's not because you're a great human being or righteous human being. There is a strategy <laughs> as to why you're always positive, a strategy for your own benefit. 
okay, as to why you're always being positive. Hey, man, you do you, I do me. Chill the fuck out. 100%. No, 100%. And so what happens when there isn't criticism, especially, you know, at the top level? If we just sit back and we're these positive righteous people and oh man he had such a great performance today and you know he gave up the ball a hundred times but did you see how hard he worked Um, what happens when there's a lack of criticism yeah well it's called feedback right and this happens in nature all over the place there's feedback loops that allow for natural systems and human beings are a natural system as well to error correct so you're doing Activity A, you get feedback or stimulus from the environment, and then you adjust from that stimulus and feedback. So if there is no negative feedback associated with it, then you keep doing what you're currently doing. And listen, if it's not good enough in in the specific context of soccer, if your technique isn't good enough, if your left foot isn't good enough, if defensively you're terrible, if you, whatever the case may be, and there's no negative feedback associated with that. Well, guess what? That probably isn't what's best for the player. So in that regard, and it's important to look at those sorts of limits, negative feedback is essential. Whether it's positive, whether it's negative, it is essential. Very well said. Now, I want you to, Gary, put yourself in the shoes of one of these players, right? Let's say you're a top-level player. You're playing in Europe. Everybody's eyes are on you. You're constantly getting criticized. What kind of response mechanism does that player need to have? Let's say he's a fan of 343 and he hears Gary, who he loves, criticize him openly in front of everybody. What kind of response mechanism does that player need to have? I don't know. Well, first off, there's this philosophy of not listening to any of it and just doing your own thing and somehow being internally motivated. And that's great and all, but I think it's quite impractical. If you have that level of exposure, you are going to be exposed one way or another. You are going to hear it, read it, and see it, whether you like it or not. And in that respect, I think it's smart to take it in the best way possible and try to listen to what the criticism is. Forget the agenda. Forget if there's bad words. Forget all that stuff. It's like, hey. What is being said here? Is it true or is it not true? And and try to explore that question. And if it's true, adjust. If it's not true, okay, well then brush it off with your perspective that it's not true and you keep going. There wouldn't be something said if there wasn't something that needed to be said usually. Uh, Let's go to this user question from uh, at kmax17 underscore. His question all along this topic line is how aggressive should a coach be with their constructive criticism towards their players? Okay. I don't know what, what they mean by aggressive and I don't know what they mean by constructive criticism because if it's it's constructive criticism, well, always give it, I mean, keep it, keep in mind, every player's personality is a little bit different. So As a coach or a manager, you have to massage them appropriately. You can't really treat everybody the same. There's just different personalities. Some people like to hear it one-on-one in the privacy of your office. Other people respond better if it's in a public setting. Other people respond better uh, after training, before training, during training, the following day. So you as a manager have to kind of identify the different personalities and adjust accordingly. But if you have constructive criticism, I think 
it's your responsibility to the player to provide that. In my opinion, you'd be doing a disservice to the player. You'd be the enemy of the, you'd actually would be the enemy of the player if you have something constructive to offer them and you don't offer it to them. Because that means that you are deliberately not trying to improve the player. So you have to always offer it to them. But the, the word that, that, you know, this viewer or this listener said as aggressive, I don't know what aggressive means. Does it mean as to how abrasive your language is? Does it mean, I don't know what that means, but I think I covered it. No, I think you did well. And last question for you, Gary, how important is it as players and coaches and human beings to take some form of self-criticism, like on a daily basis, on a weekly basis? Is that something that we should be trying to practice? Well, criticizing ourselves. Well, sure, sure. And I think we all do that. Um, you, you hear this expression, oh, I'm going to be devil's advocate. Listen, None of you guys need to be a devil's advocate, play devil's advocate with me. Okay. I already have that. And I think we all kind of have that internally. We have an internal dialogue. There's one voice talking to you that wants to do X, Y, or Z. And then there's the other voice that says, oh, I don't know if you should do X, Y, and Z. And those two voices are perpetually talking to each other within each and every one of us. You've seen the cartoons, right? There's the little angel on this shoulder. There's the little devil on this shoulder. Okay. There's a reason why there's that depiction. It's because we all have this internal dialogue and we're constantly having it. We are our own worst critics. Yes, there are outliers in the curve on either end of the distribution curve of personalities where, I don't know, you could have sociopaths and super narcissists or whatever, but for the general public, the general cases, we're already doing that. I think it's just learning how to best cope and, and, and not be so hard on yourself, but at the same time, I don't know, do the best you can, it, but external feedback is definitely valuable because our perceptions of ourselves are usually quite flawed and quite biased. Yeah. You said it best. We need that feedback to, to make some kind of adjustments. Otherwise we get stuck in the same loop over and over and over again. Gary, your final thoughts on constructive criticism and, and how much value it has for you. Yeah, the most important thing is if you're going to um, offer it, it has to come, I, I hope, we'll all, we all try to do it from a place of sincerity instead of some other darker place. And if anybody is going to criticize me, myself, and I've had plenty of that my entire life, God, we have an Argentine culture. It's kind of all based on talking shit to one another and criticizing each other. <laughs> uh, yeah. So long as, as the person doing that with me is sincere, I will definitely listen and try to process and try to come to some sort of conclusion of whether I should adjust what it is that I'm doing or not adjust. Sincerity. That's the word of the day, Nick. Well, that's it for today, guys. Thank you for listening. A reminder for coaches, you can get both the free and premium coaching programs at 343coaching.com. Don't let anyone tell you your teams can't win by playing dominant possession-based football while also developing individual players to the highest levels. Nonsense. We've proved it at every single level and so have hundreds of serious member coaches across the country. Now that we've moved on to the pro level, we're delivering everything we've learned in the program. Don't wait and continue delaying getting on a proven path. 
And parents, 343masterclass.com is where you want to go to get a working compass for navigating the American soccer landscape with your player. It's pretty bad out there, but let our experience guide you. Until next time, cheers everyone and keep building.